not about uh, your favorite venue anymore, like, oh, what's Brooklyn Mirage doing? They're doing nothing. The answer is they're doing nothing. Um, and now it's really about uh, the fans' direct connection uh, to the artists. This is High Decibels. Live music recaps in New York City and beyond. you live music uh, slash concerts slash raves deprived people you're listening to high decibels an nyc based live music podcast we check out the artists we love in new york city and beyond and report back to you i'm marlia and you're hearing gentle chill by mindgasm playing uh who i saw on october 16th and who i will not only be talking about today but with today so that's exciting but before that uh while we have been less active in episode releases again we have been pretty active on our instagram catching live music uh wherever we can find it see it you can follow us there at high decibels pod to see our pics and clips our discussions stories highlights and more at high decibels on twitter and reddit as well high decibels podcast on facebook and youtube we do some artist interviews via zoom and you can see those on youtube and igtv also please subscribe on spotify Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud. Our link tree is on our Instagram at High Decibels Pod. You can find us uh, there on your preferred platform. Give us a rate and review on Apple Podcasts. It's helpful for the show. But uh, most importantly, please share the show with people that you know who also love concerts, raves, etc., etc., or just music in general. That's more important than anything that you refer us to your friends and family. Uh, so, in the midst of this lockdown, uh, as I covered in the last episode, High Decibels obviously has really struggled in finding live music opportunities, which is the basis of the whole show. Uh, obviously, concerts are completely out. In fact, I believe there was some very specific ordinance that was released in late September, like explicitly stating that there are to be no uh, ticketed music events and all music is to be incidental to the dining experience, which of course is uh, a hit to the profession. Uh, that largely survives on being front and center. Uh, nonetheless, the industry has prevailed in its way, and we have, in fact, found live musics in 2020. They are, they are to be had. Uh, things look a, bit, a little bit different right now in, in terms of where to find things and how it sounds. Um, the music scene has changed a lot, obviously, in the past eight months uh, in New York City. The summer particularly sticks out for me because, as I said before in our most recent episode, that the summer is really New York City's, uh, has always been New York City's time to shine in terms of the live music. That's when all the concerts were. Uh, and this is the first summer in really anyone's existence who's alive uh, that, where that didn't happen. Um, it's, it's, it's unprecedented. And so a lot has been improvised. In my mind, this has been a pretty historic time, you know, again, especially in this city with our huge live music industry. Um, and we really haven't seen anything like this uh, in terms of a, a scene having to, uh, in some ways, go it on their own. Um, maybe since, I don't know, 20 years ago when Mayor Giuliani imposed these strict, they were called cabaret laws, and they uh, basically prohibited dancing in bars. And I don't exactly remember the point of that, um, but what would happen would be, you know, you, you, you get caught having people dance in your bar and the, the cops would not only like 
you know, shut it down for the night, but they'd like shut it down for like a while and you get a ticket and this whole thing. Um, but this is a million times bigger than that. Um, obviously. And with that in mind, it felt remiss to not talk about what New York City music looks like right now, even though it it doesn't look uh, the way that we'd like it to. Not even close. But what's very inspiring about it and uh, uplifting is the way that musicians have been finding ways to make this work. Those that are, are willing to do it, those that are willing to uh, forge ahead that, as we put it, the ones that can hang have been figuring stuff out. Uh, so because I feel like we're living history and this is a testament to the, the fortitude of New York City's uh, music uh, community, I planned on this two-part summer 2020 recap. Two parts because there was just so much to cover in the current climate and how things look right now. I divided it up between part one concerts so like live instrumental music and part two raves uh edm djs that sort of thing now i've already reported part one and if you haven't heard that please go back one episode to listen to more about what a live music uh experience with instrumentation like a band what what that feels like and what that looks like right now now this is part two and part two is raves and edm and uh, what that covers is where people can expect to uh, find that kind of experience, what that experience looks like for the DJs, um, how music uh, in EDM could be changing in the future. Uh, and again, uh, I had the privilege of interviewing uh, Gregory and Jane uh, from Mindgasm, who are a local DJ act uh, here in New York City. And I really think you're going to enjoy this. They offer a lot of insight. Um, they have experience uh, working in a band as well. So they've been on both sides of the coin. Um, we're going to get into what EDM looks like right now and where you can catch a show and that sort of thing. So uh, without further ado, here's my conversation with Mindgasm. All right, here we are. With Gregory Gelfan and Jane Taran, if I'm saying that right, from Mindgasm, a local New York City-based EDM act. Thank you guys again for doing this with me. I really appreciate that. And thank you for How are you doing us. today? We're doing good. Thank you for having yeah. us. Yeah, we're yeah. great. We're very excited. A lot of things going on for us. I want to kick this off by speaking about how I found you guys, which was initially at a, uh, a party that was in Bushwick, and um, I was very, very quickly enamored uh, by the both of you, Aww. honestly. Thank you. And um, yeah, uh, at, at, the, at the time, uh, Jane had gone on first, and we got a really nice, delicious set, <laughs> and then Gregory, yeah. you went on after that, and uh, I believe at the end I clapped. I clapped after the set. <laughs> And that was very silly of me, but then also other people clapped too because you guys really deserved it. Aww, and you. what really intrigued me about you was because, um, and the people that listened to my last episode know this, is that I have broken down uh, a sort of recap of what music is looking like right now live um, in New York City. 
Um, but it, there's just so much to cover. I covered both uh, live music in the last episode, and now I am covering what's going on in uh, an EDM and with DJs, and you guys were truly the, the best to talk to because you have been on both sides of the coin. Uh, you have been in a band, and you're also DJs, so you, you have an authority to, to speak on both. So, And I also, I love just DJs that do live sets. Um, so I'm really appreciative of the fact that, that I got to talk to you guys. Um, can we talk a little bit about your background, um, like uh, musical training, um, where you started off, in, in, in what genres, because I know you both started as, as, as instrumentalists, really, and, um, and then how you uh, formed Mindgasm as we know it today. Sure, and, and maybe I could talk about Jane, and Jane can talk about me. All right. That's make, cute. Make it a little interesting. So I like that. Um, yeah, and, and, and uh, Jane actually started playing music very, very early on in life. And, and um, you know, she's classically trained, and she could play some very beautiful classical pieces off the top of her head that sometimes blow me away. And, uh, you know, I, Jane grew up on rock and roll and heavy metal, but always with an edge of dance music. And, and uh, many, many years later, I, she, 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 was, uh, um, she played the drums, right? And uh, she played the guitar, and she played the bass, and then she was part of some rock bands in school, but you know, uh, further into college a little bit. But then she kind of drifted away from music until uh, she kind of uh, met me, and, and I reintroduced it back into her life. And and uh, she uh, introduced a lot more electricity into my life, and and uh, that's how we kind of became more of an electronic act. I like that you're like she introduced electricity into my. I don't know. It's just kind of cute and punny. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> electronic music, get it? All right, I'm, I'm the worst. I'm a dad now. Okay. Anyway, uh, Jane, tell us about Gregory since that's how we're doing it. Yeah. So uh, I feel like Greg was uh, uh, making music and playing music uh, since he was very little, and uh, he he was always in bands playing guitar and singing. And um, his uh, most recent act was Mindgasm, which was uh, uh, in the beginning it was a band. Uh, we had a drum, uh, a drummer, a bassist, uh, a second guitarist. I was playing keys and I was singing as well. And um, then we um, we kind of realized that um, uh, we also like deep house, and maybe it's uh, it's a good way to incorporate um, these two different types of music and uh, create something uh, interesting. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think uh, one one thing that Jane brought up is is that uh, we when we were playing live music, we noticed that there was a limitation. I mean, you you know, you play a song, you stop. You play another song, you stop. Sometimes you play a couple of songs in a row, but really the standard is you play a song, you stop, people clap, and you play a set, you stop, and sets are 45 minutes. Some more advanced you know, bands will play for an hour and a half. But like a jam band. Yeah, that's kind of an expectation. But, but with DJs, you know, the minimum usually is ni you know, at least 90 minutes, uh, if not two hours, if not four hours, to really kind of express yourself and express how you feel. And, and what we've also noticed when we're playing live shows as musicians, we couldn't get that same reaction that uh, we could when we just actually DJed together and we would go B to B or we would, you know, play something original over, um, you know, music that was playing. And, and it, that's kind of how it started to formulate of more of this electronic progressive act um, where we're just really, you know, creating and producing music and then playing live instruments over that. 
got it. Were you guys going to raves and stuff like before you became DJs? Is that like kind of where you picked up on, uh, on the the difference of the vibe between a concert yes, and an EDM show? Yes, and I feel like that's why we kind of started uh, DJing as well because we were going to raves, but at the same time we were performing at uh, like you know at other venues uh, with live musicians. So it kind of didn't make sense to have two different types of events, and we decided to just. Go to race and enjoy Deep House and also perform there. So we will kind of uh, have our friends come and see us because it's two different um, fan bases as well. So you guys have been, you guys have been on the decks for like you said you you made this this transition about how long ago? Something like uh, three, four years ago. I I mean I had DJed for some time uh, a while ago, but. You know, I, I never really combined it to playing with live instruments because, I, I mean, I guess, I guess in the early 2000s and, and, and uh, beyond, if you were kind of like a DJ, you were a DJ, you know, and if you were a musician, you were a musician. There wasn't really, there were some bands that had DJs in the band, but there weren't really DJs that had like <laughs> musicians in there. In, in, in the, yeah, you know, to so back them up. And, and, and I think sure. that the audience actually with time having drifted so far into electronic music and so far away from live music almost missed it and demanded it where now if you're a DJ and you have a saxophone player well guess what your audience is screaming for you or if you have a you know trumpet player like I don't know if you know Timmy the trumpet of course I play the trumpet oh (laughs) there you go Yeah, I mean, like I used to play it a lot. Now, you know, I, I could use some practice. But yes, I do know who he is. He's a lot of fun. Yeah. Oh, see, well, there you go. You know, like uh, Timmy the Trumpet, you know, what I mean, like he's got this act and you can't really, you know, it's a really interesting, you know, like uh, dis- I guess he distinguishes them- himself this way by playing the trumpet. He's not just another DJ. You know, I think I think the ability to express yourself musically has really changed. It's really become much more electronic and, and, you know, like the sonic plane of producing music and, and expressing it has really become limitless. I mean, really, right now, you could really produce any sound, sample anything, and, and have it become, you know, a, a song or an electronic message or a resonance, so to call it, right? But, but, but the idea is that you really have, like as an artist, a palette that's limitless. And with that palette, you could paint so many different things and express yourself in so many different ways. And, and, and that's why, you know, guys like Timmy the Trumpet stands out, you know, because while all the other guys are just spinning the same thing or producing things that are similar, he's doing something different. He gets up, he dances, he sings, I don't know, like he plays on his trumpet and it really sets him apart. And I think that's what helps us get set apart as well because, you know, we play our instruments we sing, you know, and we produce and we DJ, but we really concentrate on the fact that, you know, the audience is dancing and, and the audience likes it and, and there's some sort of progression and some sort of a voyage that they get taken on. I really personally like this mix, a sort of like uh, organic and uh, tech or, you know, whatever, analog, digital, instruments uh, versus electronic, whatever you want to call it. But I, I like putting these two things together, you know. It's kind of like, I don't know, musical cyborging. <laughs> it's, it's fantastic. And so you, got, you guys were getting to a point um, where you were gaining some traction. And then about yeah. seven months ago, uh, things went to shit, and it really made a major impact on live music, on the music industry in general. So... How did COVID and the lockdown rework how you worked as DJs in general 
you know, let's say from March on, like what was the progression from uh, we're doing nothing to where you are now? Well, well, I think, um, you know, in some ways we were fortunate because we already had started to build a network of promoters and, and, and uh, booking agents and, and, and other things. So we were just starting to get gigs and, and, and um, but there was a full shutdown, like you said, and I think for about a month or two, we just couldn't do anything. Like nothing was done. I think everybody was in a complete confusion. Everything had to be canceled and that takes effort as well. Were you doing live streams at that time? No, actually, <laughs> we had not been doing really? live streams at all, yeah. And, and, and I think that's kind of how we started. We started to do live streams because we just had to do something. And, and uh, as we started to do live streams, we, we picked up a few parties that we, you know, that our other DJs, they're kind of combining to do live streams. One was house to house, and one was for actually for Trax Records. And that's where we became acquainted with uh, Rachel Kane, who is currently the owner of Trax Records. And they also have a story of their own because, uh, you know, the original owner of Trax Records passed away right before COVID hit. And it exchanged hands, and there was some controversy, and then there was a lot of things that were going on, but then they, you know, they cleared their name, and, and, and basically, it was just like a very interesting experience to be part of that as that was going on, and at the same time, we became part of their uh, track squad, so to say, which is basically every Saturday night, uh, we streamed for a really, really long time with them and a lot of other DJs, and, uh, you know, we were able to distinguish ourselves and, and a get our contract with tracks, um, as well as some other activities which helped us get another contract with Symphonic, so we were very fortunate that during this time we actually acquired two contracts f and for further releases as well. And with tracks, we actually are going to release a record, which is coming out November 27th. It's called One Funky Evening, and we're super excited about it. Uh, there's already press coverage for it. And, and <laughs> I, you know, like I started to get a lot of friends on Facebook from South Africa, and, and I couldn't understand why. But then my the PR person that we're working with, actually, she reached out to me and explained to me that we were featured in a magazine in South Africa, and she showed me the article, and I realized why I'm starting awesome. to get friended by people from South Africa. Because I thought I was, you know, I thought I was like on some sort of a scam boat, but <laughs> but we were actually so you very, guys, very fortunate. And, and so you've actually made jumps in in your career trajectory during this time. That's pretty unique. Yeah, we got super lucky, I think, because you know a lot of people, um, you know, they weren't sure what to do, and 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 I think the fact that we just turned to streaming and turn to reaching out to other people as well just to have these smaller house parties these smaller gatherings where you know just a few friends i don't know 20 30 people would go away and just kind of just get back to enjoying music as opposed to just being part of a you know a sardine and a giant can of sardines you know <laughs> and and yeah. really just kind of like looking at the lights hearing the music but it's a little different when it's so intimate do you feel like do you feel like, uh, be it the crowd that you're attracting or the environment you're in, or maybe it's a little bit of both, do you feel like what you're doing as a DJ and what your process is and your set, do you feel like it's a little bit more appreciated by your audience from an artistic sense, uh, or, or is it really just the same kind of thing where it's just a lot of people just there to party and... and get fucked up which is you know a perfectly valid choice but I'm, ju I'm just curious if, if, if you ever uh, if you felt a little bit more recognized from from a artistic standpoint by your by your audience or not when you are playing smaller shows yeah I mean I, I think it's pretty evident you know like when when it's a smaller group of people it's you have to keep them engaged they'll just leave or go do something else if it's music is repetitive or mundane 
And there isn't like a trampoline to go off to, right? <laughs> they can't, or they can't like grab a sandwich at the food tent. Exactly. Like, they'll just go. And <laughs> unless you're stuck in a basement, you know, it's it's kind of uh, you know free roam, and, and there's so many things available to entertain yourself with. Um, so it's really challenging, really. But but at the same time, you know, having a lack of live shows, having a lack of festivals, having a lack of this giant tribal way of living that we got used to for entertainment. Um, it, it creates a really big void in people, and, and people are really, really, really lacking. You know, they really need this sort of communication, this sort of environment to be able to mingle, to be able to listen to music, dance together. And, and, and I feel the lack of it is, is driving some people crazy, I think, because some people actually, it was like their oxygen. And I'm not only talking about the performers who were getting paid for it. You know, there was a lot of people in that audience who actually, for them, it was just a way to feel better, you know, feel better about their life, feel better about their situation, and, and, and to get beyond it, maybe, to even find the strength to get beyond it. That's me. I'm people in the audience. I'm one of them. Um, I uh, I you. do live by myself, and uh, I uh, work by myself right now. Uh, I do my errands by myself. Um, just about, you know, oh, I don't know, pretty much everything, mundane errands and that kind of thing. And, um, you know, not being a religious person myself, uh, this to me is like, this is my community center. This is my church. Uh, this is the place where I go to to feel uh, connected to other people. And I feel like uh, the extreme circumstances that we've been put into, uh, it's really funny who you discover and, and who's on the level with you. These new circumstances of 2020 have sort of d defined quite a bit in terms of where people find connection. Um, and uh, what makes them come alive. And um, actually, too, uh, I've been checking out this documentary that I can, of course, never remember the name of. Uh, and, and I have to look it up every single time, which is ridiculous, and I'm doing that right now. But essentially, like, what it goes into is the sort of the science behind um, EDM and um, that these sort of, like, these beats that, that repeat and get us into a certain mental state. And uh, no, folks, you actually don't have to be on drugs to get into that point. Uh, I, don't, I won't shame you if you, if you do do that. But um, there, there is something... Uh, you know, from a, a neurochemical standpoint in terms of, of bringing people into this state through this music. Let me see if I can find the, the thing that I'm talking about. Yeah, electronic wa awakening. So basically they go into that, the sort of like the, the science behind all of this. There's something to be said for the fact that we have been dancing around in circles to rhythmic beats together and gotten into a state and, and, and in touch with a, a higher power of collective energy for hundreds of thousands of years. So, you know, anybody... Um, who gives me uh, any hell about this and, and, and tries to dismiss it as just random party and can quite frankly kiss my ass. And I really appreciate the fact that you guys are uh, essentially like the preachers in, uh <laughs> in this sort of framework, you know what I mean? Like you, you bring the good news and the love and that sort of thing. And so that's sort of my long-winded way of saying that I, and, and I sure speak for a lot of people, really appreciate people like you who are forging ahead and doing what you can do as, as fulfilling as you find it, I assure you that uh, you are definitely helping to heal the souls of other people. So just know that, you know, if, you, you if you're so about much. to go on and you're tired or whatever, that what you do is very important. Um, Thank you. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, I know that was a long rant there, but. <laughs> it was <laughs> a good one. Defensive. <laughs> <laughs> I do this topic on this topic. Um, so, okay, so in, in terms of that scene in general, uh, speaking of, you know, because I'm talking about meeting new people and that sort of thing, have you met new people since you have um, 
uh, since 2020 has happened. And, you know, I know you're you're now involved in the, um, God, I keep forgetting, tr say the name of um, the label again, Trax. Trax Records. Trax Records. Have you met people through that? Have you oh yeah. uh, been surprised by people who have come in who are brand new and been like, who the hell are you? And, wow, this is great. Like, what, what has uh, this looked like for you in terms of uh, your professional and, and social contacts? Well, I feel like we, we've met uh, a lot of people over the internet and I feel like COVID uh, actually created a lot of opportunity to reach a bigger audience, uh, especially fans, but also other DJs who organize uh, different streams and they try to collaborate. And we actually have a lot of people that we know that, um, uh, that have a Rapture TV channel. Uh, for example, our friend, he's leading this... Um, on this TV channel, uh, which is a collaboration of, uh, different, uh, of different artists and not only DJs, but he also has someone playing, uh, playing different instruments and singing. So I think it's a pretty cool channel. And uh, we've met um, other artists who also collaborate. Yeah, I mean, a lot of uh, label owners and uh, a lot of promoters, you know, everybody... D radio directors we actually have this group called artists anonymous which is a collection of people who are producing songs and trying to figure out what the right way to break through is and they're more about streaming and and, and uh, you know uh, going viral than they are about live performances but but uh, um, and when I say streaming I don't mean live streaming I mean streaming of music that they produce and and you know on that group we had a lot of guests you know including uh, semi-famous musicians and famous musicians and radio directors and PR people and everybody's really struggling you know one 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 thing that really suffers right now due to COVID is the arts I mean everything's shut down everybody's closed for business there's really nothing for customers and people you know like you mentioned for people they really need this you know they really need to hear the music to feel the vibe of other people to feel the electricity in a group of people and to feel accepted and to feel happy when they do it I mean it, it's it's critical for our mental and emotional well-being and and if you take that away you know there's a lot of elements that come tumbling down in society and and, and I think we're starting to see that a little bit you know some people coming out of the woodwork that are you know they're not well because because of the fact that before maybe they could kind of you know go you know kind of squeeze between the lines or hide between you know find themselves between the shades and then reality but at the same time, now they have nowhere to go and, and, and really nothing to do, and, and, and they're really struggling. There's a lot of people like this. I think that one key thing that's definitely happening right now is a, a, f a form of re renaissance is taking place. And, you know, all of these artists who are performing, all of these people who are producing, creating, we're all kind of locking inside now. We're finding our own small little communities. But I think the true artists, they're continuing to create. They just can't help themselves. There's nothing else for them to do. You know, a lot of work has stopped. A lot of people can't go to work. And, and so there's nothing left to do. But if you're an artist, is really to just create and create more and really refine your craft and see really what you could pull out of yourself. And, and I think that's one thing that this whole ordeal will produce is this whole era of creativity that maybe came out of, you know, like the Black Plague, you know, when... Uh, when terrible things happened in the world and a lot of people died, but after that, the true renaissance came about and it was a reawakening of the times that were lost during the dark ages. 
I swear, like, and I, I'm, I'm not trying to say this to get on your good side, but you guys are like the Jesus and Mary Mags to me right now, <laughs> like 2020. Like, I'm just imagining the painting of the two of you in the robes with, like, this, the unwell people around you, but, like, you have, like, turntables in front of you. We find ourselves uh, in sort of, like, yeah, a, a rebirth in, in a way, which I'm going to get to that because I do want to talk more about that. But um, before I, I go into that, I want to just uh, make sure I cover, since we're talking about, like, uh, the live scene and, and, and your sort of progression through that. Um, I had seen like on your Facebook, I'd seen some videos of playing out in the park and that sort of thing. So you'd, you'd been doing some some outdoor shows or if you want to, it's a set, it's outside, it's the park, anyone can, can check you guys out. But so you went from that all the way to doing Elements, uh, which for those who don't know, was uh, an outdoor festival. Yes, uh, correct me if I know there were tents, but it's like, it's outdoors. Yes. Uh, well, yeah, it's placed outdoor, but it isn't. It wasn't a giant tent, and and there was a 500-person capacity, and then they tested you on Thursday, and they tested you on Friday when, when you arrived as well. So so they were very diligent about testing, and this was, again, government allowed. Yeah. And uh, yeah. But this was like in a big parking lot, yeah. Yep. yeah. Um. <laughs> so yeah. So that's just what it was, guys. It was like this. Uh. You know, for the people listening, it was like this big. Uh. Well, you know. Not big, big like like the old days, but for now, you know, comparatively speaking, uh, festival that was held uh, in uh, in New Jersey in this lot with with the tents and whatnot. And you guys, uh, you played silent disco, yeah. So how did that go? Tell me about your whole experience, Shane. I'd love for you to to tell me more about um, what elements felt like for you. Um, it was a great experience. Uh, it was a really cold day, so it was the only uh, minus <laughs> of that festival. But uh, what was uh, really cool is that um, a lot of people liked the music and they took all of the headphones that the uh, Elements Festival had. And it was actually a line um, uh, by the tent with these headphones and uh, people just were waiting to, to listen to the music. So that was really cool. And uh, we played, um, Greg played um, um, against the headliners. So in the big tent, uh, it was Bedouin playing, and it's a pretty big DJ. And uh, actually, uh, even during his performance, uh, there were no headphones for silent disco. So people, they would go to the main tent uh, listening to silent disco as well. So that was a pretty cool experience. And, and we also got really lucky in a way uh, because of sound ordinance. Uh, Bedouin had to stop uh, at midnight. Uh, so so the originally the festival was supposed to go till 2 a.m. And uh, they had to shut them down at 12 uh, uh, a.m. On, on that Friday. But we were very fortunate because it's silent disco, so they just let us play. So we actually played from 10 to 2 a.m. So we played for four hours and we kind of took over the festival and, and uh, it was just amazing because like Jane was mentioning, 30 minutes into it, they ran out of headphones and, and you know, <laughs> and we're going against Bedouin, you know, they're definitely no ve definitely veterans and, and they're really, really, really good. And, and then at the end, we kind of just took over. It was really cool. It was a really fun experience. I wonder if Bedouin was just like the tiniest bit jealous, you know, because you guys kind of <laughs> like, one out on that one like not even intentionally you know i think it would take a lot more to, than that to, to make them jealous that was a that was, a, that was definitely a win for you guys though so i'm glad to Indeed. hear that um we were you were uh, had sort of mentioned and i and i want to go into this a little bit more uh about how you feel like right now is um 
is a renaissance and, and um, sort of comparing that to, to the Black Death, which is so dark and I absolutely <laughs> love it. Because, uh, you know, a lot of people died back then. That's why all these jobs opened. <laughs> like a third of Europe was wiped out or something. Oh, please, we don't want that. Uh, but I, s I absolutely can uh, can see the parallel there to where, you know, out of the ashes or, or whatnot, you know, out of tragedy um, comes, uh, you know, the out of necessity, the, the birth of new things. And I, I had been thinking to myself, I've, I've lived here for a while. Uh, when I moved here, it was uh, just about, uh, you know, the uh, time of Y2K. At that time, uh, Mary, Giuliani, Mary Giuliani was, he was the mayor. And he had these, uh, for those who don't know, uh, these this ordinance that was like uh, these cabaret laws. And basically, if you didn't have one and they were hard to get, unless you were like huge, like Webster Hall or something, you couldn't dance in bars, which to this day, I don't quite understand the point of, but what would happen is that if you had dancing in your bars anyway, uh, which would happen at like, uh, it was this Bar Botanica, I think that like uh, James Murphy of LCD Sound System, The Rapture, they're all involved in this. Well, of course they would, you know, they would, people would start dancing because the music was just so damn good. And then the cops would come and they'd shut it down and then, you know, pull the gates down and then they'd fine them and it was this whole mess. So out of necessity, what happened was that sort of like an underground scene um, started to come up and I noticed that and I also started to notice this sort of merging of the uh, rock and, and rock crowd and the and the you know EDM crowd where rock started to uh, bring in uh, and you know I keep going back to LCD because I love them but uh, started to bring more of those electronic elements in and bring these crowds together and I absolutely love that and uh, New York does seem to be on this 20-year cycle. Uh, you know, 20 years before that, that was when uh, hip-hop came in, which is this sort of merging of, of disco, Jamaican toasting, dance, all that kind of thing. And then 20 years before that, you had this merging of uh, uh, folk and rock to, you know, bring up Bob Dylan and, and that whole crew. And then 20 years before that, and so on and so on, I know. But the point is, is like here we are again. We are here again on the 20-year cycle, and the things are happening, and you are a part of that which must be very exciting. And now you are, uh, conversely from like 20 years ago, you are now bringing in instrumental elements into uh, electronic music, which is really cool. I just kind of want to ask you, uh, well, just go off. Like I want to I wanna know, uh, are there other acts that are doing this as well, that are doing this uh, genre merging? Um, you s had mentioned that you are have recorded and are releasing new music at this time. Are we seeing merging of genres there? Um, and uh, kind of like, you know, we've been talking about live sets, but like in terms of this rebirth and recorded music as well in EDM, where might you see it going? Um, I'd, uh, produ new production techniques, whatever, just kind of uh, fill me in on, on what you see blossoming right now. Well, I, I mean, I think definitely introducing live instruments to electronic music is what's appealing to the audience. And, you know, it's really the audience that's guiding the way of how things progress um, regardless. But, you know, what we've been trying to do with, with our music, at least, is really challenge, challenge the DJs, challenge the audience, challenge ourselves to really produce more melodic and more progressive kind of sounds. So you do have all these frequencies and all these lows of, of electronic dance music in the complex beats, but at the same time you have classical tones, you have funk, you have rock, and all of this is merged into one or two tracks. And, and uh, you know, we recently got a huge compliment. Uh, somebody mistook us for a very, very famous uh, DJ <laughs> with their <laughs> compositions where, 
you know, they're trying to produce a very similar kind of sound, you know, with a live violin player. With Mist I'm sorry, they mistook you when they saw you live or they mistook you when they heard a recording that you did? Well, w we were uh, playing, we were just hanging out and it was actually just some of our friends who know music really well um, and their producers. And they're like, oh, is this you? And no, it actually wasn't us at all. <laughs> and, and, and that's a great feeling because they're, you know, they're doing, tr they're trying to do something similar where they're combining genres. I mean, it's all still across dance music, across deep house or electronica or melodic deep house. And, but, but it's a little more now because, you know, j just electronic sounds are not enough and, and, and just having complete repetitiveness is not enough. You know, people are looking for something a little more. They're looking for a message, a musical message or, or just some sort of a verbal message where they can reach out and, and, and they can kind of feel a little more than just, you know, electronic dance pumping at them, you know, where something else is pumping at them, not just pure, like, electronica, you know, but, but it hits them also with, like, classical melodies or, or some sort of a funk or some sort of, a, a, you know, rock rhythm or, or maybe even a little bit heavy metal, you know, like, it's not out of the questions. There have been remixes of heavy metal songs. So it's really, I think, challenging the genres is really, I think, where things are going. And only because you have to distinguish yourself right now. There's so many artists. And especially, <laughs> you know, being locked away, everybody's a bedroom producer. And there's so much stuff getting released that to stand out amongst the crowd, there's really no way to just other way to distinguish uh, yourself. And, and for better or for worse, we were able to distinguish ourselves this way where, you know, each one of our songs is there's a bunch of genre bending, there's a bunch of almost too many notes at times, you know, and, and, and there's certain progressions where, you know, some of my more uh, friendly DJs tell me that, like, look, you know, these songs can't really be mixed as dance music. Um, and I feel very strongly, and I've already tested it on the dance floor, that they can because, well, you know, I, I, I played them <laughs> alongside the other tracks and, and people flowed right into them and right out of them. And, it was seamless and that's, you know, and that's when you know things are really working. It's your, really your audience, you know, who really kind of tell you how things are. You know, they're the ones that will never lie to you. Do you think these live sets could become a trend? Oh, I think they very much already are. I mean, artists like Bonobo have been doing it for a long time and, and you know, <laughs> Uh, even even old schoolers like Moby, you know, when he was DJing and not just playing instruments, uh, he'd have live instruments on his sets. But even before COVID, there was a big, big trend of uh, live instruments over DJs, but not so much where it's like a part of the composition. It was more like they'd play a solo here and there. They so it was like a bit almost. It yeah, wasn't exactly. like defining the, the act. It w exactly. But but there were at the same time bands like STS-9, New Deal, Disco Biscuits, who, you know, they sound very much like Electronica, but they're a completely live band. They have no DJ and they wouldn't dare to like have anything sampled or, or like, you know, like a kind of like a DJ style, like play a, a pre-recorded song because it's all live instruments. They, they're true musicians. They really, you know, show their musicianship when they perform. Uh, where a DJ, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a little bit of a different ball game you know it's uh i i feel um you're challenged a little more because you really have to pay attention to your audience you're not just going to wow them with some sort of playing of an instrument you really have to understand how to hit their frequencies how to hit their resonance to really make them vibrate and and well first start just by moving then start by like swaying then fist pumping and finally screaming you know if you got them screaming then you know you're doing the right stuff do you have do you have a set list before you go on or is it just like I have a collection of things that I might want to play but this very 
very much might change because you know bands always have like their set lists but uh, d do you operate in that way I think it's a combination of both. Uh, we have uh, certain set lists, but we always we are always also changing elements on the go because you really have to adjust to your audience. If you see that they're not reacting to certain elements, then you should really throw something in that you know they're going to react to. And then we have a couple of those. Like we know there's a guarantee. And I definitely have <laughs> preset playlists uh, that I, I definitely don't have. Uh, it's not like uh, I know which song I will play after another song, but I definitely have uh, something uh, like, you know, have a playlist that I want to perform uh, because I feel like I'm a little bit more intimidated by live performances. So I want to make sure <laughs> that I know what I'm playing. And I feel like Greg is just more confident. And that's why he can, uh, he can pick and choose on the fly. You sing as well, right? Because I feel like people, they do love their lyrics and such. Do you sing on the tracks often? Um, do you, and when you do live sets, do you sing as well? Uh, we do have a couple of songs where I sing and we sing together. Um, but uh, we definitely work on more sets and more tracks uh, where uh, with vocals. Um, and uh, on some of the songs, I just hum, which is also <laughs> singing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. And people also like it a lot. So, uh, yeah, it's more like uh, this uh, meditation, just uh, uh, sounds. Um, yeah, but d definitely we'll have more tracks to come where we'll have uh, lyrics for sure. Yeah, I mean, we released a bunch, but, you know, we, what we're trying to do is understand the exact, you know, the exact reaction of the audience and what the music base is for them. And although we released a couple of things with lyrics, um, we're just starting to get to a point where we really understand what, what they're happy with so that we can actually produce the correct words and the correct uh, formula to hopefully strike a real note out there, you know, a real uh, resonance. With, with respect to what you're talking about in terms of um, the adding in an, an electronic element, sort of widening, uh, the palette, um, the uh, traditional arrangement of uh, three guys on stage, one singing with the guitar, one with the bass, one with the drums. Is that dead? Is that like traditional rock and roll setup? Is it? Is rock and roll dead in that context? Well, you know, even if it's dead, I'm sure it'll have a reawakening, you know. Um, rock and roll will never truly die, but it is lingering, you're right, because you know, you're, you're kind of, when you're playing rock, you're a little bit limited to what you're able to play and, and um, perform. And, and, and it's also quite difficult. You know, you got two, three guys, four guys in a band, and they all have their own drama. And then there's band drama, and then there's promoter band drama, and then there's manager. There's just so much drama between so many people. It's very difficult to actually keep that going for extended periods of time. And then and then the just the simple fact of like on top of that you add equipment, right? So like just alone, you know, like we DJs, right? I mean, what do we travel with this little USB over here? It's like less than my pinky nail. And and this is all you really need for a gig because most clubs they have the equipment. Now, we also bring live instruments and you know, we we take it up a notch because we also bring projectors and visuals. That's a key element of all of our performances. But you know, if you take a traditional band and, and you give them time to set up, you give them time to perform, you'll see that, you know, it's a lot more difficult for them than it is for a DJ to just come set up, start playing, really start entertaining the audience and keep them going longer. You know, because a band, for a band to play, I don't know, six to 12 hours, it's almost unheard of. But for a DJ, it's definitely not.
Would you say that that is the reason why we have uh, not seen uh, band? Not that I don't see them. I'll see them out in the park here and there. Um, there's one that I really like that plays outside of McCarran, like almost Friday night. God bless them. They're so dedicated. Um, but they're certainly not leading the charge in terms of a scene where they're, um, say, renting out a space or whatnot, like DJs, uh, I found, will do, um, or their, their promoters, organizers, what have you, uh, to, uh, to uh, throw down and do a set. Bands aren't really doing that. And, you know, while I have a a hard time imagining, say, like the Sex Pistols just sort of sitting on their laurels right now and not just being like, ah, oh, fuck it, and just doing that. Um, will will is is that are we going to go with the fact that it's just more difficult for them to set up, and that's why y'all are leading the charge? Um, is that <laughs> would we say that's why? Because they're just not bands are just not doing what DJs are doing right now in terms of making live sets happen, and I'm just not really totally sure why I, I get that they have like added challenges to, uh, uh, logistically and that sort of thing but um, I don't know is it just all that do you feel like DJs maybe have more of a just sort of rogue nature a, a connection to the underground like what what are your thoughts on that um, I feel like even from uh, from our experience performing, uh, when you go to see a band, uh, it's usually a particular very narrow audience, and they just come to listen to a particular band. And when mm -hmm. you have five uh, bands line up, uh, you just see people leaving. They will listen to a band, they would leave. I mean, it's different for like a huge concert uh, than people would, would listen to. Uh, someone who is playing before the main act, but for smaller concerts, uh, I saw it happened all the time. Um, so I feel, um, I feel that uh, for bands they have a smaller uh, audience, and for DJs or at least um, uh, DJ fans they're more tolerant, and uh, it's just a bigger audience, and it allows them to have a bigger crowd and uh, make these gatherings and concerts uh, possible. Yeah, I, I think also you know the the strain on musicians. I mean, just think about it. They have to practice they have to you know really get their notes right tune their instruments tune their voices uh, really practice their songs so it takes so much effort to just get to the point of actually being able to perform compared to a DJ where you can assemble your set and theoretically just look down at your board hit play one song after the other and still get a reaction out of the audience um, you know, and, and, and uh, some DJs actually do just that, and that's fine because that works. It makes people happy, right? It's the audience that is the ultimate dictator and the ultimate uh, mob. Bands really sort of are more reliant on that sort of social support and foundation structure of having, okay, they're going to be here, buy a ticket, we're going to pack all these people in, like that it's harder for them to do things on a small scale, essentially, that they kind of need all of that, I don't know, like support and team and, and all of that in order to go forward and perform? Is that a fair assessment? Well, well, you know, I mean, I think rock and roll shows used to be like an event, you know? It used to be that there's no alternative to that, really. You go to this rock show and they really take you somewhere and, and you just love them for it and you follow them around for it because they just really get you there. And, and now they just, you know, the sonic plane is so open for producers that they just can't get you there the same way. They just can't, you know, like the DJs, they play things 
with 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 such frequencies, with such beats, with such um, you know samples of instruments from around the world, from you know some vocals that you can't exactly mimic that, you can't reproduce it, you can't practice it, and without it, it's almost like something is missing. It's it's the same reason why we switched more to an electronic sound and you know. Uh, DJ decks as, as our core, as opposed to like a drummer and, and uh, you know, a synth player and a bassist as our core, because it's, it's just, they're very limited in what, what they can actually produce and what they can actually play live, while, you know, a DJ, he has limitless amount of sounds. I mean, he could play just nature sounds, or he could hit these frequencies and these resonant beats that y you can't stand still. You either need to leave or you need to shake your booty. You know that's so I yeah so I guess you you're you're able to sort of draw a, a, a wider range of people and like Jane was saying like the the bands sort of have this sort of dedicated niche of people who whatever are are like very into that band and I suppose it would be very difficult right now to bring that same group of people back like again and again and again so um, my goodness if you're a musician right now and you think that Marlia and you're listening you think Marlia is being really harsh I I don't mean to. Um, I think I'm just, you know, very sad to, to not be able to see bands as much, but kind of like the way that you've explained this. And again, you are the perfect people to ask because you have been on both sides of it. Um, that does that does make sense. Um, but I'm hoping we can find a way at, at some point to uh, to have more access to 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 the bands because I, I do miss that. So, so in my intro, I had mentioned um, seeing you all. um and I think it was mid-October, but I actually want to skip ahead to when I saw you most recently, which was just a few days ago. Um, and uh, that sort of leads into uh, a, a bit that uh, this, this podcast does where we, we call it sort of like it was good for us, how was it for you, and we talk about, that's what the basis of the show is to talk about, uh, how an, a, a live experience was for us. And um, and then when we get actually get the opportunity to ask the artist, how was the experience for you? Well, that's an added bonus, and I can do that right now. Um, let me just say that uh, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed you guys uh, even more this time. Thank you. And uh, I tried to, you know, doing what I do, there is this certain element of, you know, not get too excited at these shows. And I got to a point, and I, I'm sure it was during Jane's, I was like, the hell with it, I can't. I can't be cool. This is too good. <laughs> this is too much fun, you know? And uh, and, and James felt the same way. Like, we, w we were really sort of brought into it. And then, uh, Greg, when you went on, it was just like it, all sort of uh, pretense of, trying to maintain a respectable front just kind of went out the window. Uh, I, I, we enjoyed it so, so very much. And I would love to know how that experience was for you. Was that your first time at that space? And how did you feel about the sound? I understand that the sound uh, was, um, I don't know, how, what's the word I'm looking for, superior to most uh, that you would work with? And yeah, get into that a little bit. How was it for you? So, so the space, um, you know, it, it's a definitely an interesting, unique space. Um, and the, the sound there, it, it's, it's more, I guess, like a, a private space where a lot of after parties were held, you know, 4, 5, 6 a.m., and a lot of really, really big-name DJs uh, would go after uh, in the normal days and still, you know, still now, uh, even still, they still have some after parties. And so the sound is very uniquely tuned. There's a very unique equalizer that stands there as well as the speakers. It's not so much as a club sound, 
although it may feel like it and sound like it, it's more of a, you know, very, very expensive personal, like really expensive, you know, stereo system <laughs> sound, I guess. So to say, I mean, there's woofers, there's all the bases, there's monitors, and it's all very professional, but, and the challenge is that you have to keep it below a certain decibel because this was a private space. So um, you couldn't hit out above a certain decibel. And so you can't just hit your audience with volume. You have to really hit them with like the frequencies and the sound, the resonance of the low frequencies or trying to get them to the high ones. So I noticed that we, we, we call ourselves High Decibels Podcast. We're, we're watching a little decibel count. And we're like, oh, this is more like reasonable decibels. <laughs> exactly. And, and, and there was a DJ there who kind of, uh, you know, the, it's an analog board. And he, was, he gave me a pointer while I was spinning. And, and while some DJs might find that offensive, Actually, let him play Wait, a song was this the person that you didn't know that I thought that you knew that like? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I thought you guys knew each other. Like, no, no. I it was so random, but and, it was so cool. The two <laughs> of you together. About something, uh, you know, and he was explaining something about the board because it wasn't a traditional board; it was an analog board, and and uh, you know he has a Yuri, which is which is very similar to like what that analog board is, and and it's very interesting because he's like, okay, listen, let me show you, and I'm like, okay. Fine, show me, you know, and then there was enough people, you know, I, I, I don't know, it's just the guy made me feel safe, you know, for some reason. Usually you don't do things like that, you know. In the yeah, I know, for I know. a long time. I saw him. He yeah, and he was, maybe that's how he secured my trust, you know. Yeah, Jane, you like said <laughs> you saw him, like, kind of inching over a little bit more. And then yeah, a like, more he was, yet. like, standing, yeah, like, for a really, really long time. So <laughs> I guess that's why it felt like he's a body. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. He was, like, kind of there. Yeah, and, and he was very kind and nice about the whole thing. So, you know, I let him in for two songs, and we went B to B. And it actually worked really well. In fact, uh, you know, one of the good songs that was dropped, uh, it was a Depeche Mode song. Oh, um, it did Personal yeah, Jesus, exactly, that remix? Yeah, Personal oh Jesus God, yeah. remix. It's something Which you were that night for me. You were my Personal Jesus. <laughs> oh but God. I love that moment. Yeah, that was so good. Yeah, and it was really good, you know, and it was just kind of how I ended my set. And then the next DJ came on. It was, yeah, it was a really magical experience. It was truly invigorating, and, and it was really, really powerful to see so many people so interested in, in this tribal way of dancing and, and just kind of just being together, working together. There was, you know, we forget that sometimes when people get together, you know, in, in old clubs like Pasha, you know, and you'd have fights, you'd have people carried out drunk, you know, you just have a big mess. And while the majority of the people, probably the working crowd, you know, it, it, and it wasn't bothering anybody, there was a lot of messes. And, and, and it's just nice to see people get along and people enjoy themselves and kind of take care of each other, you know, and, and not yeah, really Yeah, I really love the crowd. That's a good point. I yeah. think everyone was very friendly, smiley, very polite and... Very um, grateful. Yeah. Very happy very to be there. Very supportive, yes. They love the music. I really love the crowd, yeah. Yeah, the crowd was beautiful and, and, and you know, we thank them for having us and thank you for having us because, uh, you know, it's really a privilege in this day and age to just be with people and play to them and... and uh, have such a reaction, have such a good reaction from them. And I will say too, you know, to to the to the point that I had raised earlier in terms of a smaller, more dedicated, and and that's not to say that's not a dig on anyone that that wouldn't want to go certainly, but I think there is something to be said, uh, a certain level of dedication to to find yourself to have found the space and then to find yourself in it. Um, that these are like 
these like solid EDM fans. And, and I picked up on that because uh, people were like talking to each, each other about your set during it and that sort of thing. All, all positive things. But like people were definitely like just they weren't just dancing and out of their minds the whole time. Like people were definitely picking up what you guys were putting down. And uh, even myself, although it may not have appeared to be so, uh, <laughs> I did have that degree of awareness uh, and, and just enjoyed it so much. But um, this was just yeah, a time where it was just just too hard to just stand there like a security guard, you know, with a sort of placid <laughs> smile on my face, nodding appreciatively. I just simply could not do it. It was just too good. Um, and so I really thank you for that because it was the word, I guess, that I'm looking for. It was very cathartic, your set was, for me. Um, you're, you. you're welcome. Um, so I want to just uh, close by asking you uh, about um, future plans that you have. Any, uh, I know you said that you, you are uh, releasing an, um, an EP, right, uh, in about a week or so? Um, actually, on the 27th of November, mm -hmm. we're releasing a four-song EP with Trax Records. Mm -hmm. And then um, we're following that up with another release with Symphonic, probably on the 17th of December. We're finalizing that. Mm -hmm. And then we're just going to keep, you know, uh, that's probably going to close out the year 2020 for us as far as musical releases. But in the next year, you know, we already have produced music that we're going to be releasing, and we're very excited. Uh, hopefully we'll release more with tracks and, and definitely we'll release more with Symphonic. Um, are there plans to continue to play uh, live um, events, that kind of thing? Maybe that antibody party that I'm trying to get you to throw <laughs> for people like me. Uh, the <laughs> antibody party, huh? Yeah, I mean, that's, people. Not <laughs> that, that's not a bad idea. That's okay. <laughs> Um, I mean, an antibody party is not a bad idea, but it's a little discriminatory. I feel like we'd leave some people in the cold, and a lot of times those are the ones that actually need the most healing. No, I know. I hear you. But I um, actually have a friend who produces the T-shirts, antibody. Oh, <laughs> I'm going to get me one come. of those. Yeah, he would definitely come and dance. <laughs> um, you know, to be honest with you, the environment just keeps getting more and more challenging. But it also, you know, y if life gives you lemons, you got to make lemonade. So wherever there's a challenge, I think Mindgasm is going to try to overcome it and make, turn it into an opportunity. And we've been able to do that so far. And uh, although we haven't devised a strategy mm -hmm. for the latest and greatest from our governor, uh, we're going to figure something out and we're going to get through this. And, and I, you know, as long as everybody stays safe and healthy, that's the key. I got an idea. Uh, 10 people house parties uh, streaming on a Zoom call. Oh, <laughs> like hey. Like, a PC, like little PC pods. People. Yeah, like different different houses with different people. Yeah. Like little rave terrorists, huh? Pe people ask me uh, quite a bit, like, where can I find something like that? And, you know, especially with what was just released, I'm sort of reticent to just sort of hand things over to people on a plate. But what sort of... Um, vague advice might you give to someone who wants to experience a live set? Well, I would say uh, go to mindgasm.com, sign up for our mailing list, and we let people know of things that are going on. Um, to our best ability, not only our parties, but some other underground parties. And, um, you know, everybody tries to make things as safe as possible, yeah. especially with this environment that's happening right now. It's going to be super challenging. I'm going to, you know, I'll, I'll wait to see what, the, you know, the organizers and the promoters, what they come up with. But so far, they have been doing food and drink events that are, you know, socially distant. 
Um, or I know there's been, like I mentioned, you know, Elements did a very big event, which was 500 people, which is a lot, where they did double testing. Yeah. And there's other events that I believe Profundo, where they do rapid testing right on the fly, um, as well as, you know, they request uh, previous results of negative to results. So there are things that people are doing that they're still trying to work things out. But with this latest and greatest development, yeah. We, we don't well, know do you think that? Uh, do you think that even despite? I mean, we're having amazing weather, which is it's almost disconcerting how warm it is uh but w if winter actually starts to feel like winter um do you think that uh outdoor events will continue um i think there's definitely going to be a lull especially this winter okay but uh you know you really can't stop people from being tribal and so uh there will definitely be th things still happening and, and and things still happening on the underground um, and definitely the cold never stopped people from uh, getting together, listening to music. I mean, I, I think, you know, in Iceland, they even have a hotel made of ice where the whole thing, people are sleeping on ice. And Yeah, they're like purposely going forward to uh, <laughs> be cold. Yeah, it's an, and, and they pay for that, which is, you know, who knows. People will do a lot of things just to be entertained or go out of their everyday life. And I think as long as human curiosity exists and the need for that tribal dance exists, People will continue looking and s other people will continue providing. I love that you said that that the sort of tribal experience is kind of just unstoppable. I like that a lot. I'm probably going to open the show with that quote, actually. I really <laughs> like that a lot. No, because it's, it's, it's so on point. Tribal experience is unstoppable. Like they said, uh, mindgasm.com to, to learn more about uh, what these guys are up to. And y'all too, it's just like, that's that's what it is. It's about um, go on SoundCloud, go on Instagram, um, find DJs that you like and uh, follow them. And uh, that's your path really, is just sort of really developing a, yeah, developing a, a connection with the actual artists themselves. It's really not about uh, your favorite venue anymore. Like, oh, what's Brooklyn Mirage doing? They're doing nothing. The answer is they're doing nothing. Um, and now it's really about uh, the fans' direct connection uh, to the artists. So I encourage everyone to please support them. Is there anything that you'd like to close out on, either of you, before we wrap things up? Well, uh, just, again, you know, wanted to mention that we're releasing with Trax Records. We're very proud of that on the 27th of November. Look for our release, One Funky Evening, in all stores. And uh, follow us on mindgasm.com. That's mindgasm with a Z. And uh, we have all of our information on there as far as any YouTube channel, Instagram, SoundCloud, everything you can imagine. You know, just stay safe. Uh, follow us. Follow your favorite artists. They really need your support right now. I think a lot of the things that we're able to continue to produce, to perform, just because people are coming up to us and making us feel welcome, making us feel warm. So anywhere you can do that for an artist that's struggling right now, it's a really, really big thing, especially for them who uh, can't perform right now. You know, for an artist, performing is like breathing air. And, and, you know, imagine just being a fish out of water. And that's how everybody feels right now. So give them the support that they need and hopefully support us as well. Um, you know, again, we have a record coming out with uh, Trax Records on November 27th called One Funky Evening. Really looking forward to that. And follow us, you know, on mindgasm.com. That's mindgasm with a Z, not an S. Uh, that's because mindgasm with an S is actually a heavy metal band. <laughs> and they're not bad, but very different from what we're trying to do. Um, but 
But do follow us, and, and uh, we look forward to hopefully seeing you and uh, hopefully being the captain of the ship that you'll be sailing on one day in the dance club. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you very much. What a pleasure it was to talk to those two. Uh, I've linked to Mindgasm in the notes so that you can find their stuff. Uh, Closing out here, guys, as you can gather, there are places where you can see a DJ. And you know the weather is starting to cool down. And it's hard to say what that's going to look like. I do know that when indoor events are held, oftentimes uh, test results are required at the door. that's it's a very much it's like come at your own risk kind of thing please do not be hanging around uh the immunocompromised or grandma if you do attend such an event a lot of things will be held outside uh is outside cold you bet it is layer up because that's the safest way to do it you could stay apart from people wear your mask hear some music okay let's throw on our coats and let's get together and again i know i said this at the end of the last episode, but this is a topic that's really important to me. Uh, I get a little bit irritated when gatherings such as this uh, are just sort of dismissed out of hand as just people being stupid and partying. Um, Well, you have to realize, I think, probably like, you know, this kind of person isn't even really listening unless you're hate listening. I I don't know. But the thing is, is that Like we said in the interview, how these kinds of things function for people from a mental health perspective, and you might laugh, but it it is, it's it's like church for them. Um, And I think it's no accident, like we said in the interview, that for a very, very, very long time, it is like built into human history for people to gather uh, around a rhythmic beat. And that is not to uh, diminish the uh, devastating effects of COVID, certainly not. But I think it's also very important to acknowledge the devastating effects of uh, lockdown on on the economy and on people's mental health as well. And maybe the people that can understand that the best is where is those people who are truly isolated and and find solace in uh, in being with other people uh, and hearing music. it's really like having a family and a partner and a church all rolled up in one, which is a lifesaver if you don't have those things. It's it's communal, it's uplifting, uh, a place to be inspired and seen and, and connected in ways that you just don't get over a camera. So if you're one of those people who's feeling bad about how this is something that is keeping you going, like don't so where can you go okay so if you're looking for something like that let me just kind of lead you down the garden path a little first of all uh the birder community is absolutely wonderful and uh one thing that comes to mind is that uh periodically they have uh these beautiful and i will say distance and mast very very uh careful about that uh what they call deep plyo rides and there are these uh massive bicycle rides that uh go through the city and along the way there are stops and and you're bound to hear some edm there which is uh 
a huge release. It's like that. It's it's the physical activity. You're getting exercise, burning some calories, and being around fabulous people. Go to one of these parks, like Prospect Park, McCarran Park, um, Transmitter Park, and you're bound to see a DJ there. And you can talk to them and be like, hey, where else can I see you? Just get, get to know uh, local DJs. Uh, look stuff up. Follow DJs uh, on their social media. And, and you know, if you don't want to go out, that's cool too. Like, they all do live streams. Check those out. That's a great way to support. Enjoy a live stream. Vemo them. But you're probably here because you're like, no, I want, I want to see them in person. Your best bet is you, you just, you're going to have to be social. If, if you're not a social person, this is a hump you're going to have to get over and reach out to people and, and talk to DJs and that sort of thing and be cool. You know, things are, are being kept small. They're being kept small because we want to keep people safe, right? But um, I promise you, like, especially uh, a duo like Mindgasm and, and the community that they roll with, they roll with some really, really talented people. Once you're, you know, you're a fan of theirs, it, it opens up a lot of doors to, to hear some really great stuff. So uh, you just got to be patient and you have to take some initiative, be proactive, be social. You'll find a way. Lord knows that the musicians and DJs uh, that were determined to forge ahead in this city absolutely have. And thank God for them. You know, I think I could speak for a lot of people when I say how much it's appreciated that these artists have gone ahead and DIY'd and figured things out so that people like me and people like you have the opportunity to feel just a little bit more closer to whole during a difficult time. We're all really struggling with this new normal. We are closing out, I think appropriately, uh, to Hard Times by Mindgasm. This has been another episode of High Decibels Podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Just find the best.